Welcome to episode three of the American Redemption podcast. Uh, We have a great show uh, set out for you guys today. Uh, We're going to start out by saying that we're in a spiritual battle for the soul of our nation. And in the first episode, we told you how to cultivate community. And in our second episode, we taught you how to resist a regime that's hostile towards uh, religious people, towards men, towards people who are overall looking towards the betterment of our society. And that's where we bring you into our third episode today, where our goal is to uh, give you hope, put uh, arrows in your quiver to help you put on the armor of God to really move forward in our fight to take back our culture. And that's where we introduce our guest today, uh, Kevin. Hey, glad to be on here with you guys. My name is Kevin. Uh, I am a recovering sinner and a child of God. That's probably how I would describe myself, but also a part of the, uh, the good side on the culture war. And then we also have Andrew. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Kevin, thanks for coming on. Uh, he's drinking some water. <laughs> yeah, I'll be drinking a lot of water throughout this. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, this is Kevin number one. In case we have future Kevin's on the show, and you know, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about our our listener count after this episode because I think right now we have like three listeners. It's like my mom, uh, Stephen's girlfriend, <laughs> and then Kevin here. So we're going to drop down to two listeners, losing thirty three percent of our audience, but. Uh, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna triple it after uh, after Kevin gives some uh, amazing commentary for us. Could be what so. we need. Big break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. B- bold prediction: ten listeners. Mm. Whoa! Hey, he gives Whoa. he gives back a hundredfold, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, well, let's let's get right into it. All right. Uh, so, Kevin, what are you here to talk about? All right. So what, what am I here to talk about? Let's think about that. <laughs> so, um, yes, Andrew invited me on the podcast. We're, we're great friends from college. And he told me about this podcast back when you're starting up. And I was a little unsure about it. And then I, I watched the first episode and I was blown away, actually, just by this vision of creating a vision for the right. And I think that's it's what we really, really need, uh, because the left has this image and it's selling it to people and people are buying into it, but the right is just so disorganized. And uh, well, after I heard that first podcast, I was like, they're really onto something here. And then once I heard the three-step plan from Steven, I was like, okay, I'm sold, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> I, I think that, that last step, you know, of uh, show up, look good and a post statement, a post Satan, um, that, I was like, okay, I think I can, uh, I think I could talk a little bit about that step. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really what I'm here to talk about. Um, is that, that step of opposing Satan and really it applies to the other steps as well. But, uh, thinking through, I'm no, uh, I'm no theologian or no, um, seminarian or anything like that. Just, uh, your average guy in a pew who, you know, goes to work. Um, and tries to live for God. And the biggest thing that I've had that's had an impact on me is just having a mentality of giving my first fruits to God. And that's what I really wanted to talk about in this episode and really share with you guys. That's, yeah, that's a good topic. Um, Oh, and and to give some credibility to Kevin, he is a true beast on uh, all three planes, the physical, the mental, spiritual. So he's a a great guest, and we're very excited about this episode, Uh, which really brings us to our first question. You talk about giving your first fruits to God. What exactly does that mean? So, yeah, giving your first fruits to God, the word first fruits uh, is kind of like the best of the harvest. 
And giving your first roots to God is really giving the best of yourself to God. And I think this is a concept that I think all Christians know, but it gets deeper the more you try to apply it and the more you try to think about it. Um, sometimes people can get confused and like, well, you know, what does this look like? What does this mean? And hopefully we can get uh, more into it. But yes, at base value, it's giving your best to God, giving your first uh, first to God, as we'll get into a little bit more. Yeah. So yeah, to give you guys um, a little intro into that. Uh, so Jesus says, you know, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, you know, and giving your first roots to God. Uh, for me, that looks like getting up in the morning and having the first thing you do is prayer. And I know a lot today in the culture, uh, you get up and almost everyone looks at their phone and they have all these texts coming through, emails, different anxieties coming through um, that can sway the direction of your day. A uh, little rhyme there. Uh, but <laughs> it's very important for those first moments to be offered up to God. And it, it, it's a sacrifice in a way for that to be uh, to give it up to God. That can, that can look like two minutes of prayer. That can be, uh, that can be more, um, for me in my daily life, uh, right now I've, uh, chosen to take up doing, doing the rosary. I do, uh, doing the full rosary. I try to pray, uh, the three mysteries throughout the day. And, uh, so I wake up and I'll say in our father, a hail Mary, and I'll go into that rosary and then I'll try to read a chapter of the Bible. And that's, that's really it. That's really my basic simple system there. That's pretty good. That's, um, that's a really solid morning routine. Now, how long did it, did it take you a while to like make your first thoughts and like build that routine of, of immediately getting into like a prayer right when you wake up? Cause I think if I woke up like, well, this is exactly what happens. I wake up and all I'm thinking about is shutting off that darn alarm and then trying to get a couple more minutes of sleep. So it would like, I don't even know how I would remember to do that each morning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think honestly, this is where I'm at now, but this is, it has been a, a grueling uh, process even just to get there. Uh, I think the first thing that I started to do was just wake up and just thank God and then go about my day. Uh, that's where I started. Um, started with just even say, just saying those simple words, just thanking God for my day. Um, and then I got really convicted. Um, one day, my friend challenged me to read in the Bible about how Jesus prayed. And I was like, okay, that's a, you know, that's a good question. And going through different scriptures, I have one here, Mark 135. Um, it says that Jesus, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got help, left the, went away from the house, and went to a secluded place and prayed. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Let's see some more scriptures. Hebrews 5, 7. Uh, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. Um, and there's different scriptures, too, that Jesus spent um, up all night praying. I was like, wow, Jesus, you know, who was God? <laughs> Spent so much time in prayer. Like He's constantly getting away, going to pray, finding some good places, finding a place where he can focus um, just to go pray. Uh, even, you know, even though he was God, and I think uh, it just made a big impact on me because me, a man, you know, who has sin and who struggles throughout his day to follow God. What, what makes me think that I can operate at a hundred percent and that I can fully commit to God's will uh, without that. So just starting up the process from the bare bones, reaching out in a little bit of humility, just to say like, Hey, you know what? Like I need to thank God for this day. This day is precious. And 
let me start there and just ask for help too yeah i mean that's that really sells it if if jesus was doing it like what excuse do we have he's clear that's clearly a good idea um and it's it is easy to get started like you were talking about just take one that one that first little step and then um to to sell it even more how would you say that fits into like a new right-wing vision for this country uh, and kind of reclaiming the culture, the the whole theme of American redemption. Right, right. Yeah, so um, throughout the Bible, uh, we just see different stories where people give their first fruits to God, where they give their time and their prayers to God, and that's returned to them a hundredfold. You can look through uh, stuff like, you know, Abraham, you know, offered up his son Isaac. And, you know, thankfully God, you know, didn't have him sacrifice his son. But through that, he was blessed. His generations were blessed and he was, you know, counted to be, you know, the father of all nations. And, uh, you know, different stories. Isaac himself uh, cast out from uh, King of Bimelech's land and... You know, God gave him wells to, for him to, to give his people water um, and to, for him to basically, you know, feed his, his tribes uh, while they were cast out. And um, I think one situation that's really similar to today is the story of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is a book in the Bible, great to lead about leadership and everything. Uh, but... And that book was a time where the Jews were exiled from their land uh, and they were living under the oppression of, of the Persians. And a lot of the people were living under the Persian Empire and, you, and Jerusalem was in ruins. Uh, you can parallel that to today. America, the culture is in ruins. And we have, you know, basically the ruins of like a truly uh, more faithful society uh, that's kind of been broken down. And uh, so basically Nehemiah here, he's living in, living in Persia, hears about the situation in Jerusalem that there's no walls and it's really prone to attack. And he mourns, he mourns that. And I, th- I think, you know, thinking that today to our society, we have to, to realize the detriment we're in, you know, there we have a really a plague in our society with, you know, just all this godlessness um, that's sending a lot of people to hell. And after, after he mourns, he goes and he prays, he prays to God. He says, you know, we are going to repent. We are going to change. I'm going to take responsibility for what everyone has done. No matter like, not just me, like he's a righteous man. He didn't do too much wrong, but he's going to take responsibility for the community, go to God, pray, pray that they can change their ways and that he can, he can do this. Prays for four months, King of Persia lets him go rebuild the walls by a miracle. He goes, rebuilds the walls, continues that constant prayer prayer and action and prayer and acting on what God is telling him and rebuilds the walls fast enough before people are able to invade Jerusalem. So I always, that is, I think the truest thing about what we're doing. Like we have to Hmm. offer it up to God to then that God can bless what we are doing and make it grow and make it so we're, yeah we're rebuilding the culture by rebuilding yeah. the temple mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> no that was uh an awesome uh parallel and uh no I, I really think like you said we have to uh almost uh bury the old and uh uh sow for a new uh look to sow for a, a new culture acknowledge the things that have guided us in in our past and i think the uh example you gave there uh the the israelites time and time again always had to uh fight for their uh 
land. Uh, there were times where they went away from God and went back to God. And I think, uh, I don't know why we would consider our culture to be, to be any different. We've had stains on the, uh, American, uh, experiment, whatever you would call it, our timeline. And we've had great successes where we've driven out, uh, evil and living up, lived up to our Christian ethos. So the parallels there are spot on there. It's, it's correct. He's correct. Well, I'm glad I'm correct, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a time like at that time, you know, that's what happened. The, the Jewish people abandoned God and that was the chastisement that came for them. And I think today we look around and, you know, we're seeing, you know, people tear down statues, uh, stare down statues of the Blessed Mother, stare down statues of Jesus and all this kind of stuff over the past, you know, past year. And, you know, how long are we going to, you know, rely on God's mercy uh, for him to, to not bring a chastisement on America? So, you know, we have to repent and we have to, we have to change our ways for sure. Kevin already really touched on why it's important to bring your first fruits to God. He mapped it out perfectly and summarize really our entire situation. And he went into even the more modern parallels about the tearing down of statues and the, and the, the tearing down of our culture and really just saying people don't even, don't even realize like what they have coming towards them. They don't even realize that they've turned away from God. I think that's, they have the no fear of God. That, That's very clear. Yeah, they have no fear of God. They have I I feel like that's the part that we have to kind of hammer home in in the culture that if you go by the law the laws of man that you'll ne- you'll never you'll never be saved. I mean, the laws the laws of man at some point do have an end and the only way that we can preserve uh, our way of life and a future for our people is through giving our first fruits to God. Yeah. And, and I guess, yeah, it's the spiritual ahead. aspect of, of our, our, uh, our three pillars to save America. And the it's, this is the part that in your three-step plan, this is like directly actionable right now. Right now, everyone can start opposing Satan by giving your first fruits to God and praying more. Yeah, and think about it this way too: uh, like, how can you help other people? Like, if you don't first, like, save your own soul. Like, say, like, not that put you're on, saving it. Put, put on your life vest. Put yeah, on yeah. Your life put, vest. Put on your life vest. You have to. Uh, one hmm. scripture that has really, if you want to get it, like. Uh, you know, something you can think about and meditate throughout the day. Romans 12, one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Every day, if we get up and pray and at least have that little bit of time in meditation, we are going to start to conform to God and not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And we're going to start to know what his will is for our lives. We're going to be uh, you know, more at peace. We're going to know, you know, know what we have to do. Uh, and once, once we start, we're going to get start to be more in God's state of mind rather than our, our state of mind. 
Yeah, a state of grace. Yeah, yeah. A sta- in, a sta- in a state of grace. And hey, I don't mean to be the quote machine, but I figured, hey, why not? Bring that <laughs> don't no, uh, that's, I, I like it. That's you. No, that's, that's that's usually me. And, and Andrew yeah. Andrew rags on me for the uh, for the the cliches, but uh, yeah, I I enjoy them. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, no, because this has been so impactful. This has been impactful for me, and I, I think it will be impactful. Uh, for people on the right. Actually, you know what? I know it'll be impactful for people on the right because we are being taught all of this garbage from the media and we are being put into this mindset and mindset about things that we don't we don't even realize because it's in the back of our mind. It's just, you know, the way we think about things and we just, we take it for granted. But really there's probably leftist, anti-God agendas in those ways of thinking. And what prayer, what times of reading the Bible, doing that, it's going to expose those in your life. And you're going to start to be able to, to realize, you know what, I am thinking about this in a, in a very, uh, in a way that's not good towards God, uh, not good towards my family, towards the right wing vision. Um, and what, so to name another, to name a quote on that, because I have to throw on some C.S. Lewis. Uh, oh, this was, is good. Oh, of course. C.S. Lewis is my guy. I mean, in <laughs> The Great Divorce, he has this amazing quote where it says, Hell is a state of mind, yea, never a truer word. And every state of mind left to itself, every shutting up of the creature within the dungeon of its own mind is, in the end, hell. But heaven is is not a state of mind. Heaven is reality itself. All that is fully real is heavenly. For all that can be shaken will be shaken and only the unshakable remains. Now, that is a powerful quote. You know, we are not proclaiming here. We're not renewing our minds to just a different mind frame. We are renewing our minds to reality, to what's actually true. And we're not trapping people in a box with this leftist anti-God agenda that's going to just try to just put people in this, like in a box that just doesn't even fit for their own soul. Yeah. If you break down um, any of the most common philosophies today, you know, going back to uh, like Nietzsche or Marx are two of the big ones. And then a couple of French philosophers in the 20th century that whose names escape me at the moment. Their philosophies are fundamentally atheist and anti-God. And the fruit of that is destroying our culture. It's destroying Western civilization. And the only antidote is true Christian thought. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Christian thought, we, like, we can take it for granted as uh, people who maybe have grown up in church, uh, maybe just have uh, friends who, who spend a lot of time in church, um, it's in America, it's, a lo- there's a lot of different churches and a lot of a church can be a big part of, of just the cultural attitude. Uh, but they're the deepest truths of the, of the world are in the Bible. And what God says is more true than most of the stuff we experience in our lives. Yeah. So, uh, let's move on to a question that I have for Kevin that we just started talking about and it's going to be how we resurrect the uh, the culture and that question is well what is the the Christian man or the American Christian man that we've kind of been circling around uh, the point but Kevin's going to come right in here and pinpoint it for us what his definition of the Christian man or the American man is and how he's going to to change the culture how he's going to put God first in his life and how he's going to lead us towards a better tomorrow yes yes and uh, we we talked about this in our planning and uh, just thought a lot about this. But yes, the Christian man is the man who's willing to die daily. And that's what Christ, Christ himself said this, Luke 9, 23. He says, 
Then Jesus said to all of them, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And to the people at that time, cross doesn't mean like what people wear around their neck as fashion. You know, cross meant where people are executed in a very painful, probably the most painful death uh, and a very humiliating death at that. And that is what the Christian, the Christian man is. We are looking at a world that is depraved and there are so many temptations. Uh, temptations that on our own, we cannot, we cannot face. We, we cannot overcome them. To live a virtuous life in this culture is impossible. And I think that's sometimes something that is uh, it's tough to say, uh, but it is. But the caveat to that is that we have grace from God to be able to live the virtuous life. And that we have, that God enables us to, to live that life. That doesn't mean it just comes down on a basket and we just, you know, we don't do anything. Uh, a great quote from, from St. Augustine is pray as though everything depended, everything depended on God work as though everything depended on you. So Mm -hmm. we want to be that person. So that ties into like why we want to reform the culture. We want to live in a country where it is easier to be a virtuous person, where virtue is promoted over vice. Uh, But that's, that's a long way off and it is very difficult right now that that verse, um, you know, Luke nine 23, that's, it's hard. That's a, one of the tough ones in the Bible. And it goes along with what we've been saying, that there is sacrifice required. You're going to have to stand up for, for what you believe in. That's a form of taking up your cross and speaking the truth courageously. These are difficult things, but they're necessary. Um, what are some examples, guys? What, do you, what have you encountered? How have you picked up your cross in your life recently? The church is best when it's hated by the world. And I think this is inherently true of our culture right now. Uh, You see uh, a lot of figures uh, within the the church that are getting, I guess, Mm. cozy with worldly uh, entities Mm. that might not be for the betterment and advancement. advancement. Brother Jimmy. And the advancement of the faith, but I would second that by that uh, Ignatius of, of Antioch quote, and, and say that this is going to create better, better, better Catholics and, and better uh, Christians as as a whole. To where they aren't they aren't loved by the world. To where, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take some uh, some digging in and. Uh, having real conviction in our beliefs that we come out the other side better. And isn't that the whole uh, embodiment of, of first fruits and in, in giving, giving of yourself to God and giving what's first of uh, giving your first to God. Yeah. All right. I'm, I might not enjoy a life of uh, a life of luxury in this culture being a, uh, disciple of Christ, but can uh, my my children have a better culture? Can their children's children have a better culture? What are we really uh, What are we really striving towards here? I guess is what I'm uh, is what I'm getting at. So yeah, the the fact that the culture is counter to you. I mean, the culture was counter to uh, to Christ. Uh, the, 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 the Jews turned on him and, uh, Rome didn't care much for him either. They obviously had him crucified. So I think that's a serious thing. We have to, uh, have to acknowledge that, uh, that we're under attack right now and, uh, we're better for it. Uh, we're putting on the armor of God as some might say. 
understatement of the yeah. century uh romans the romans didn't care for christ <laughs> <laughs> Just to put it lightly to put it yeah. lightly. <laughs> right 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 uh, yeah and hey, i guess andrew to answer the second part of your question that was that was great Stephen. and um thinking about the real the real practicals of that i think honestly just this week it has been a real challenge for me to not complain about my job. And so uh, basically I work at a job um, I, that I took because I <laughs> really didn't know what I'm doing for my life. It, it is a financial analyst job and uh, it's not particularly something that I'm interested in, but it's a means for me to, to raise money, uh, to pay back what I owe for college. And uh, it's the best position I have right now. So I think it's my duty to, to really pay back those that I'm indebted to. Uh, so I'm working it. And um, me and my boss aren't getting along and uh, run into a lot of conflicts. And it can, be, it can be a very easy to fall into complaining about this and being like, man, you know, I just have this job. It sucks. I work long hours. I do all this. But that, you know, that is not the Christian man. Am I dying to myself there? Am I taking up my cross there? It's like, no, that, that is, is really just copping out. That is, uh, you know, that's being in the way of the world. That's the world tells you, oh, yeah, it's fine to, to just, uh, you know, complain about your job. Oh, no, no, just quit. Don't care about your responsibilities and stuff like that. But it's like, no, like, you know, we have, there, there are times we're going to have to do things we don't like. And there are times we're going to have to do you know, hard tasks and without grumbling, but taking up that cross and being cheerful about it and, you know, giving up to God because all that suffering is just more of a way that we can detach from the pleasure of this, of this world and just be more, more conformed to God and be more concerned about God, what God thinks about us than our own, you know, desires or what other people think. That's so amazing perspective really good attitude that's gonna uh gonna have amazing fruits i think and i think that's something relevant to a lot of a lot of people out there many people unsatisfied with their job and i think that's that's the perspective that is uh healthy for sure yeah and hey i think um we have to like this circumstance it sounds silly to somebody who's going through something deeper and i I do not deny there everyone has more crap going on in their life than you do. And that applies to, <laughs> that applies to everyone. And, but we have to be willing to conform our minds and our thoughts in the smaller ways, in the different things so that we can really truly live out the scripture and live out what God is calling us to. Uh, and if you have, you know, deeper stuff in your life going on, maybe you have, you know, just a lot of drug addiction in your family. Maybe you have alcoholism, you know, running on in your own life or anything like that. And you're are struggling with that cross. Jesus says, you know, die daily, pick up your cross daily doing this. Every day is a day one that you can have to do that. There's a chance to repent. Every moment is a chance to repent. So, but for the people who, who don't, maybe it's just, maybe you do have a job you like. Maybe you do have a lot of comforts around you, but I bet that there is, you know, some kind of cross in some way, you know, no matter how big or small that you have to take up and offer up to Christ. Definitely. will be thinking about that and what crosses I have in my life. And I will be working for sure on uh, not complaining so much about them. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> attitude to have. Yeah. And also like too, Hey, you think about your crosses, but also think, you know, uh, about your vocations in life. And I think this might even be uh, another one of the questions we are guiding towards is around, you know, a part of your cross is living out what your vocation is in life, uh, whether that is a, you know, a married, um, being a priest, a uh, religious, uh, religious person. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're married, part of your cross is, you know, uh, if you're a man, you have to provide for your family and you have to go to work every day. And that's, you know, even just even might even be a job you, you love 
but that's going to be a cross because that's time away from your family that you have to spend. Um, and it can even be a cross um, if you love your job a lot and maybe you have struggles in your heart with loving your own family uh, to go back and not have them serve you, but you be at 100% serving them. And uh, Or if you're a priest, um, that you giving your entire self to your parish and just you know, the other hours that you have outside of uh, delivering the sacraments, you know, using that to, to love your community and to build your community, that can be a, a strong cross as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, leadership has is often thought of as like being so glamorous and people are going to like wait on you hand and foot and you have all this power, but really leadership is a cross as well because a true leader is a servant and that applies in all, both those examples you just gave for the father or for the priest and and uh, for for everyone who is hoping to one be one day be a leader in their community um, and for their country. It's that's a cross. We are going to have to focus on on serving our families and our community. And in that way, you are really being a, a true leader, the kind of leader we need. Well. Yeah, is, isn't that more broadly why we have problems in, in, in the culture? Because our societal thought leaders and political figures, whatever you might say, are supposed to be servants to their community and they're inherently not acting in that way and working in their own uh, self-interest. So I think, yeah. I think inherently to be... Uh, a upstanding uh, Christian nation with uh, Judeo-Christian values. We we have to have people that are that are willing to go into their vocations with the the whole point, the whole purpose to be to be of service of, of others. I mean, those are those are the two two commandments. I know we've been talking about the first one, talking about like being of service to God and and loving God above all things. But the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, I think that's, that's a serious one where you hit home with people is by showing them genuine love and showing them how, how, how Christ would have, would have loved them. And I think that's the point where, uh, the, the new right wing, misses on a bit i i think i think the 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 left reaches out to their neighbor but in kind of like a manipulative way oh let me let me help you okay but now you're like now you're like sucked into uh, uh to everything that i'm uh, involved in instead of just giving of yourself and expecting expecting nothing in return which is what our Christian ethos is, is all about is giving and giving and, and, and giving more. Now, now, yeah, that I think is a strong point because the people, the stuff people connected, connect to is, is from God. Like it's, there is a essence of some kind of truth behind it. And what they see from the left is that, a quasi unconditional love. It looks like it's unconditional love. It's like they accept me for who I am and everything like that. However, as us on the right, like we, we will uh, in a way accept them for who they are in terms of, of loving them, but we don't want them to stay in their lives. We want them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And we know that that is, is loving them even deeper than uh, than just that false uh, false love that you know may accept them into their community but lets them stay in their ignorance our call to action this week is to just at the bare minimum put two minutes of your day aside to talk to God, pray, ask how you can uh, take up your cross. And obviously, we're going to ask you to 
pray the rosary or do more up to maybe, let's say, 30 minutes of self-reflection a day and really just picture in your mind, like Kevin was talking about at the, at the, at the, at the very beginning about how, how Christ prayed. I think people have this uh, vision in their mind about how they're supposed to pray, which is just quietly with their with with their head down at, at, at the pew and not act actively participating in their their life and having a a real relationship with Christ and a real relationship uh, uh, with God and just airing it out honestly just just get, get getting it out there being being upset while you're in prayer that can happen being uh, anxious while you're in prayer that can happen being uh, excited while you're in prayer that can happen too there's a range of emotions there that i mean in, in the end we're all we're all human and and we're, we're all sinners and things in our life are gonna have us feel different ways or lead us in different directions but ultimately the whole point of going to god in prayer is to to get that grounding and to get that uh uh that vision into uh, think uh, and uh, what was the uh, the terminology you used, uh, Kevin? Oh, re- renew your mind. Renew your mind. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, one of the most powerful prayers that I prayed was I prayed to God that I know that I am not on fire in my faith, and I know that I want to be. Uh, God, I just, I pray to be on fire in my faith. I know I do not have love for you in my heart, but I just pray for that love. I feel like having that humility to just be honest, be honest with where you're at because, you know, it'll grow, it'll grow over time. And I think I, I definitely wouldn't have imagined where I'm at, you know, where I'm at now in my prayer life to where I was before. God just, he works on you. He changes your heart. You know, it's, you don't have to start at hundred <laughs> percent. You could just start with that, you know, that simple thought like, Hey, I, you know, I don't even feel like praying two minutes is worth it, but you know, Hey God, maybe just show me that it might be worth it <laughs> or something, you know, just being, being humble because it says God opposes the power and give grace to the humble. So, you know, that's the God we serve. And just having that little bit, little bit of humility is going to go a long way. And do I, okay. Do I have permission to geek out over the rosary or is this too long? Oh, go, go for, for it, it, man. Okay. Okay. So I just want to say that, you know, looking at, at all this, it can seem like, oh, you know, are we doing, doing like, you know, the same things that, you know, maybe the generation before us did and it didn't work and stuff like that. But it's like, uh, no, no, we, we're not just, uh, just do, like, just doing this out of vanity. This is out of our, our true relationship. And, and, uh, I just want to say too, that, um, you know, God didn't abandon us. We see all this, this kind of crazy stuff going on, uh, with this liberalism, communism, and all this, um, thoughts has crept into our culture. But God warned us about this. In 1917, the Blessed Mother came down from heaven and gave a message to three poor paupers in Fatima, Portugal, and revealed about the future states that would happen if people did not turn to God. And what she said, basically summarizing her message, she said that, a lot of people are going to hell because there's no one to pray for them and do penances for them. And she said that Russia would spread her errors around the world. If we didn't, if we didn't pray and we didn't consecrate Russia to back to God, uh, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, um, if we didn't, uh, do different devotions, uh, so the first Saturday devotion and pray the rosary every day, uh, that would happen. And what happened is that we didn't do that. We didn't consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. And we didn't pray the rosary every day as a culture. And we didn't repent. Like you look back in the Old Testament, 
the Jews, when they got back to God, they repented in sackcloth and ashes and weeping, mourning. They were like, we are sorry for our sins. We have abandoned you, God. We need to be restored. But in our culture now, we were just indifferent to the message. And this message, it wasn't like it was just private. It went all over the world. And But we just have such an indifferentism now ingrained in us that we just we didn't do it. Um, and, you know, part of, you know, getting back on this mission, you know, I believe it is praying the rosary, uh, uh, every day, every day, because that is part of what our lady said at Fatima to get the culture back on track. She said, you know, if you do these things, Russia would not spread her errors. And, um, it says, that like in the end uh my immaculate heart will triumph and the holy father will consecrate me to russia and she will be converted and a period of peace will be granted in this world so it's it is gonna happen and you know i'm gonna be part of that and be contributing to that um it didn't happen now but it will and we just we have to we have to pick it up and with us on the right we want to be a part of making that future happen uh, as soon as possible too. Um, otherwise this is going to continue to spread. Um, and if you don't know how to pray the rosary, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good resources online. That's what I can say, but it, it will, it is a great prayer. It is, it is, uh, it is dying daily. I will say that it is a rough prayer. If anyone, any of you guys know about the rosary, it can be a grueling prayer to start to pray, but as you pray it, it will tie you closer and closer to God and just uh, not only in your intellect, but also your heart and to start to desire God's will and desire God's plan for your life. So it's amazing prayer. Had to, had to geek out over it just because of how much it's changed my life. Yeah. Wow. A lot of good stuff. No, there. that's a couple, a couple of things. That's um, it's yeah, it's definitely, like a lot it can seem like a lot to ask especially if you've never even tried to, to you know to try to do this this kind of prayer um but people uh want like to rise the, to the occasion that's why we're, we're asking a lot we need to be asking a lot of each other and we'll rise to the occasion and you know just put in the effort and let god do the work and really good point about about the, the rosary being a a form of carrying a cross just today i was thinking man i really do not like praying it. it takes a while and it's like you know there there's i don't know you know it's just it's not my favorite thing in the world but it's a form of of uh, picking up your cross yeah and you know it's it definitely it starts out like that and there's people uh who have a devotion to praying the full rosary of four mysteries and they go through and they still say, even after praying the four mysteries for years in their lives, they're like, this is a, you know, this is tough. And there's not really an hour of the day where I'm, you know, overjoyed to pray this. But as soon as you start, you, you know, as the more you do it, you start to really love the prayer and really grow closer to God and start to be able to meditate on him. Because what the rosary is, it's the gospel on a chain. It is the wife of Christ in mysteries in prayer you're praying the gospel you're being humble enough to ask for god's mother to pray for you um because she is so close to god and you know you're just getting all of that grace and being tied to god um in that time and it, it's really what it's doing is, is ripping you out of the hands of the devil and just bringing you closer to god because you know, let's face it, we are, we are under the influence of the devil. And <laughs> most of us just have, you know, we're so tied down by the world. We just need to be ripped out of that. So true. Yeah. We got, we got to post Satan, man. <laughs> we got to oppose Satan. Step, yes. step three, step three. Arguably the most important. <laughs> yeah. Arguably the most important, but no, we were at, uh, <laughs> at mass, uh, this evening and they were having a, uh, uh, a seminar on a Friday evening. Uh, I believe it's uh, next Friday. I grabbed the bulletin because I heard them talking about it, and they said they were going to do a seminar on teaching people how to pray the rosary, and they even offered ice cream afterwards. I mean, look at sir, that. 
seriously like <laughs> how, how can you not not beat that how can you're, you beat that you really can't you really can't you really can't <laughs> all right and hey well if there if you are not at that point where it's like hey you know the rosary is is too much it's okay to have you know to pray to eventually reach that point and it's okay to it's also okay if you just want to do it and just it might not be pretty but you know if it's something worth doing it's worth doing badly <laughs> you know just to you know, if you want to become a saint, you got to do the things that saints do. And, you know, a lot of the saints in the past, since, you know, since 1917, they've been praying the rosary every day. So, you know, we got to, you know, we got to be able to reach that point, but it's okay to be humble and just to ask for those graces, ask to be able to get at that point. All right. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Amazing stuff, guys. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest, Kevin. That was Really good stuff. Super smart guy here. Researched his, his uh, did a lot of good research, and he is going to be definitely coming back on the show. We hope he did really well and had a lot of good hey, points. Yeah. So, yeah, I could good uh, stuff, guys. Get a little teaser. Uh, I definitely would love to come back on and talk about some patriarchy stuff. Would be great. Oh my! Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would be good. He's, uh, you gotta, I got to learn more about that too. Yeah. He's ahead of his time on the three set plan. I mean, really, really. I mean, Kevin is the uh, the embodiment of it. Or he's uh, like he says, he's yeah, just a guy striving the, to get better every day, and that's all we can do to uh, save America. They do call him yeah. Kevin Number One, and I guess that's that's for a reason. No, no offense to the other Kevins out there. <laughs> I did uh, win a Kevin competition, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, thank you for for listening. If you made it this far, this is our longest episode, but I think it was the most dense. A lot of good stuff in here. Uh, some of the platforms we are on do have reviews, so if you are on a podcast app that has reviews, please, please leave us a review, uh, only if it's five stars, and uh, send only us any stars. feedback you have. We are looking to improve. Yes, and uh, I think this is our, our best episode yet, so thank you for listening, and Stay tuned for episode four.